Did you see that the halftime show? Yeah, I showed you the halftime show. Oh my gosh, the most random. Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Oh my god, I'm so happy. The most random lineup, too. I can't wait. I hope it's good. Yes. It's not good. I'm going to be very upset. (laughs) Also, can you believe that we're already talking about the halftime show? I know. For the Super Bowl. I know. It's October. It feels like it just happened. Well, that's not until January. I mean, but it's October. (laughs) How is it October? This whole year, I've mentioned this a few times to people, but like ever since the pandemic started, I was never great with time anyway. Like I am. I'm not good at like keeping markers in my Uh head of how long ago a thing happened, but particularly since the pandemic started. Oh, yeah. When things shut down, it was like every day was the same. And then my brain has never really gotten back to normal. Yeah. Also, if I tell you that something was like a couple days ago, it could be a couple days ago. It could be a month ago. It could Same. be like years ago. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. Um, I had to call and make an appointment for my middle schooler to get her immunizations. It's October. She's been in school since August. I just forgot. I was saying my kids aren't going until the end of this month. But then. Because I forgot as well. When I called to make the appointment, they were like, yeah, you know, she hasn't been here for a physical in a, in a while, in a few years. And I'm like, oh, I just forget. I yeah. just forget. Particularly. Yeah. The last two years have been a mess. Yeah. Anyway, hi. Hey, guys. <laughs> this is the Witch's Magic Murder Mystery Podcast. And I'm Kara. And I'm Megan. We're doing great things, guys. <laughs> I've got a murder story. A murder story. Okay. And it's a good one. Okay. Good as in interesting. Not good. We love All murder. murders are bad. Right. Don't do murder. <laughs> <laughs> we do not endorse murder. No. Um, okay, so this one comes from Kristen, who shared it in our Facebook group. I love it when that happens. I do, too. Um, you can find the link to that in our show notes, or you could go to Facebook and search for Witches, Magic, Murder, and Mystery Podcast Discussion Group. <laughs> yes. It's very long. And that, listen, said. guys, <laughs> there are questions in there that you have to answer. Yes. We we're going to rege- We're going to decline it. Not approve your request. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of that word. <laughs> We're I'm still on you. Yeah. Uh, no, we'll decline it just because we don't know if you're a fake account or not. So please answer every question on there. There's three so of them. And they're simple. In the last couple of days, have you noticed? Yeah, it's really it's exciting. If you're in the group, you know, say hi at any point. Yeah. Or if you read an interesting for. story, share Post it. Post link in there. Does it have to be a. And we try story? to stay on top of like. Every Monday, Megan started this thing, like, share a fun thing that happened to you last I week. I forgot this, week. this weekend. <laughs> Listen, we were busy this weekend um, adventuring. So. Yes, we went to Disney World and Universal Studios, and it was amazing. It was incredible. Okay, so, um, Kristen shared this one. Here's what she had to say. So, I just started listening to podcasts, and this is the first one I found and loved. Um, Thank you. Thanks so I've been much. binging them all. I love the ladies. I live in Memphis. I lived in Memphis until I was seven, so I love the accents. Oh, I love Memphis. <laughs> we live in Minnesota now. You betcha. She put that in there, by the way. <laughs> um, I've noticed myself talking in a slight drawl again. Oh, yay. You ladies have made my commute to work a lot easier. Have you ever heard of the Glenchine Mansion murders in Minnesota? Minnesota. Blessed be and have a wonderful day. What a sweet little note. I loved it. She told a little about the story, too, but I left that part out because I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. But just so you know, that's what we're learning about today. And if you're from the Minnesota area, you've probably heard of this because it's from what I was reading about it. It seems like it's a pretty big deal locally. Yeah. Even though it happened back in the early 80s. Forever ago. Okay. Glen Sheen Mansion is a 20,000 square foot, 39 room home 
on a 12-acre waterfront lot on the shores of Lake Superior in Duluth, Minnesota. It was once the home of the Congdon family. Okay. It is now open to the public for tours as a public house museum. Oh. The Congdon family was well known for many accomplishments, so no one wants their legacy to be just the awful thing that happened to them. So when you go tour, they don't really like to talk about the murders. There are so many other things that should be talked about first, but not on this podcast. Right. They should be remembered for who they are were in life, not how they died. So here we go. Let's talk about them. Chester Adgate Congdon. <laughs> yep. I'm sure. Uh-huh. Was born in 1853. He was described as a go-getter. When he was 15. Oh, go-getter. I know. His father, who was a Methodist minister, died. Oh. And Chester went to work at a lumber mill to support his family. Uh-huh. He graduated from seminary school as the valedictorian of his class. Okay. And then he continued on to get his law degree from Syracuse University. Doing big things. I know. After that, he passed the bar and then became a high school principal in Wisconsin. It's a strange path to take. Huh? I don't get it. Uh, maybe he felt a calling to work in education or something. Yeah. You'll see this as we go along, but he seems like the kind of guy who just had several different passions. He was like, you know what? I like And he this. went after I'm all of them. going to do it. Yeah. It yeah. Was very, and I like that about him. I like the idea that he didn't feel stuck. Yeah. You know, it's easy to be like, well, I started down this path. I have to finish I gotta it. I got to keep going. He didn't feel that way. Oh. I enjoy that. Yes. So he didn't stay at the principal job very long. He moved to Minnesota in 1879. Okay. Passed the Minnesota bar and joined a law firm. In 1881, Chester got married to Clara Hesperia. Okay. By age 30, he'd started his own practice and traveled to Duluth, where he became interested in mining. Oh. See? <laughs> he partnered with a friend of his and got leases for iron ore properties where there was ore mixed with sand. At the time that he bought, got the leases, there was no way to separate the ore from the sand. Oh, okay. So it was worthless. Right. But... Congdon was betting on the fact that at some point there'd be a way to separate them and he'd be sitting on a gold mine or an iron mine. He had pretty humble beginnings. You know, his dad was a minister, so they had to be like middle class at best. Yeah, he was working to make a living. Yeah, like when his dad died, he had to, at 15, he had to help support his family. And then from there, he just had all this ambition and work ethic. And um, I don't know, I'll just kind of talk a little bit about how I liked him again. I just really like this whole thing. Yeah. There's no reason, if I'm interested in this, there's no reason not to do it. Right. You know? Congdon hired a mining engineer to develop a machine that could separate the ore from the sand, and suddenly his ore was worth a fortune. Oh. Um, it wasn't exactly overnight, even though it feels that way. Yeah. He, he worked pretty hard at it. He hired a mining engineer right, to make it happen, right. but he made it happen. As he grew more and more wealthy, he and Clara decided to build their dream home on the shores of uh-huh. Lake Superior. And they named the home Glensheen, which is after his family's ancestral home back in England. How sweet. Construction was completed on the home in 1908, and Chester Congdon died in 1916. Oh, no. Of natural causes. Don't worry. We're not right. going to murder yet. But, yeah, no, I think it's sad that he only got to enjoy his dream home for eight years. Yeah. But it also seems like he had this really full life. Right. Of just... Knowing he did everything. Like, creating the do. type of life he wanted yeah. to create. Yeah. I love that okay so when chester died he left everything to clara and his children they had had seven children 
Walter, Edward, Marjorie, Helen, John, Elizabeth, and Robert. Chester and Clara had also taken in Clara's young nephew after he was orphaned. Oh, I know. They seem like really just good people. Yeah. Elizabeth, who was the third daughter, she had decided that she didn't want to get married. Okay. She'd been engaged, but she'd broken that off. And basically, she was just like, married life isn't for me. Right. But she did want to have kids. Yeah. And back then, that was kind of scandalous. Yeah, you didn't you know? do that. Yeah. So to be an unmarried woman who made like a just conscious makes you look decision. bad. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. God. What will people think? In 1932, um, Elizabeth went to New York City and she adopted a little girl and she named her Marjorie. Now, this little girl was different. For one, she was an orphan who was adopted by a really wealthy family. So I'm sure there had to be a bit. How old did you say she was? It, it didn't say. Oh, all, okay. it, all it said was she was a little girl. So okay. she was young. There had to be a bit of a culture shock that right. affected her behavior. Yeah. It was like the Annie situation. Yeah. And it's not to mention, like, we don't really know what her history was at yeah. that point. So who really knows what all she had to adjust to? Yeah. But beyond that, she was an introvert. She wore really thick glasses and she spent most of her time reading alone or playing by herself. I mean, I don't hate that. No, I was, I was going to say, I don't want to imply there's anything wrong with that. Like, I yeah. basically just described myself as a yeah. little girl. I had thick glasses and I spent most of my time reading alone. Right. Instead of playing alone in the rooms or hallways of a mansion, I just played in like fields and ponds yeah, yeah, and farms, yeah. you know? Yeah. When Marjorie was three, Elizabeth adopted a second child, a little girl named Jennifer. Oh. Jennifer was really different from Marjorie in terms of personality. She was really outgoing and everyone just loved her. Oh. And Marjorie became more withdrawn when Jennifer mm-hmm. arrived and she had some behavior issues like, Pulling out her own hair. Oh, no. That's not, like, super unusual, though. Right. Or, like, the older sibling yeah. to sort of have an adverse reaction when right. a new sibling shows yeah. up. I mean, who knows what Marjorie thought at the time. She's three. She was adopted. Maybe she thought she was being replaced. Like, yeah. who knows? Yeah, that's true. So, as Marjorie got older, she grew more and more unlikable. Basically. That's sad. It, it that sounds like. It's not very likable. I know. It sounds like she's the kind of kid that you just weren't able to say no to. Yeah. And not in a cute way. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, I just can't say no to her. It's not right. that. It's more like she would make your life hell if you said no to her. Right. She charged up accounts at local stores. Oh my gosh. She was aggressive. People were just basically uncomfortable around her. Ugh. And Elizabeth's way of dealing with Marjorie was just to give her whatever she wanted. It was just easier to appease to her than to, than to oh, argue. Dang it. And that's how at 13, Marjorie was given a horse. She'd been begging for one, but when her mother finally got it for her, of course, she no longer wanted it. Then. Right. Of course she did. Once she has it, that's all that matters. Yep. Um, She's so, on her way. Yeah. Elizabeth was going to sell it, but then Marjorie was caught trying to poison the horse. Like, if she couldn't have it, nobody could. Oh. But, like, she didn't want it. You know? It's just yeah. weird. That is very weird. At 16 years old, Marjorie was sent to a boarding school in New England. She was a good student, but socially, she just wasn't good with people. Yeah. She didn't make many friends, and she was basically considered to be a weirdo. Oh. Let's take a second to talk about weirdos. (laughs) (laughs) Because I really hate this whole thing. Like, everybody's kind of weird. They're so weird. When they're middle schoolers and and high schoolers especially. Right. And, like, I don't know. If you're not weird, that just means you're just like everybody else, and that's fairly boring. Yeah. And there's also this tendency... I, I catch this with my daughters when they'll come home and they'll talk about the weird kid in class uh-huh. and I'll ask them like, what, what's weird here? Right. And when they describe it, it's usually just that they're 
quiet or yeah. maybe they uh, ask strange questions mm-hmm. or, you know, it's just, they're just not like everybody right. else. And I tell them all the time, like, you know, be careful that you're not bullying right. this kid. Yeah. And if they have really weird stories, I'll be like, well, where'd you hear that story? Exactly. And it's just yeah. talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, don't repeat that to other people. You don't know if that's yeah, true not, if you yeah. didn't see it for yourself. And yep. it could just, like, you don't want to accidentally bully somebody. Right. But anyway, I like weird people. Yes. Is my point. Yeah. I like it when people are different. Yeah. I mean, we talk about witches, magic, murder, and mystery. <laughs> we're, I think we're and cool you weirdos. guys like it. Yeah. But there are plenty of people who think that we're weirdos. Yeah. And that's fine. Well, I'm totally we're fine with it. Great. Um, so Marjorie, she went to her boarding school. She returned home to Glensheen when she was 18 after she finished school. At that time, she started stealing money. Oh, my gosh. I know. At this point, Elizabeth is just at a loss as what to do for her daughter. She sent her to a clinic in Topeka, Kansas for a psychological evaluation. So it's like she could tell there's something yeah. wrong. And Elizabeth never told anyone what that evaluation revealed. Oh, no. Although the articles I read did imply that there was some type of diagnosis. Right. But we don't know what it was. Oh. Although Marjorie was not great at making friends, mm-hmm. she did have what was described as a magnetic appeal to men. Oh. And this article said it was, quote, remarkable in light of the fact that she was in no way conventionally attractive. She was short, wide at the h- hips, and bookish looking. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> I take a fist. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I have lots of complaints about that sentence, but let's just start with like bookish. Bookish? As being an insult. Like well read? But, right. Yeah, you look bookish. What does that mean? Like you look smart? Oh, God. Oh, no. A woman with a brain? Oh, God. Burn her at the stake. Oh, my gosh. Did I tell you guys I still have a cold? I still have a cold. Sorry that my voice is so awful. (laughs) I'd never really thought about bookish and what a dumb insult that is. She looked bookish. Shut up. Good. I'd probably love her. I I don't know why I keep defending Marjorie. She's not a good person. She turns out to be awful. She's a horrible human being. But (laughs) But I'm over here like. The fact that people are like, she's weird and she's bookish. Well, I just think let's. Be critical of the things that are actually awful about yes. her. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not be critical about the fact that she wasn't a people person and yeah. you didn't think. Also, just the term conventionally attractive is also stupid. Yes. Because that implies that there's one way to be attractive exactly. and the rest of them don't aren't right. as good. Yeah. Which is wrong. People are attracted to all sorts of things uh-huh. for all sorts of reasons. Yes. I've got to quit defending her. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She's We're really doing awful. Great. She's super awful. Doing great, guys. But she's not awful because of how she looked, okay? Right. Okay, anyway. In 1951, 19-year-old Marjorie caught the attention of Dick Leroy, Mm. who was quite a catch. Was he? He was handsome, and he had a lot of women after him. And somehow, this short, wide-hipped book lady, (laughs) who looked like she liked books, managed to reel him in. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay. Oh, here's the part I left out. The main way to be super hot is to be 100% authentically yourself, and that is attractive. That's all. That is it. You're welcome. You're welcome, guys. Okay. Marjorie was married to Dick Leroy. I got to say both his first and last name every time. Because it's amazing. (laughs) For 20 years. And they had seven children. Oh. Seven children. Wow. Marjorie was a mother. Just keep it in mind. To seven. As this story goes on, just keep in mind, Marjorie was a mother. To seven. What was that like? Yeah. To seven. Okay. They divorced in 1971. I told you that as a kid, Marjorie had a spending problem. 
And that just continued. Well, of course it into did. Into adulthood. Now she got married. It did. She cost Dick Leroy an estimated $1 million in debt and liabilities. I'm sorry, what? $1 million. That is a ton of money back then. Yes. Elizabeth tried to help. She covered at least 350000 of her daughter's debts, but it financially ruined Dick Leroy. Oh, poor Dick. <laughs> During the time that Marjorie was married to Dick Leroy, uh-huh. the Glensheen Mansion had been donated to the University of Minnesota Duluth. That was in 1968. Okay. At the time, they agreed that like, you can have the house as long as Elizabeth, Marjorie's mother, Chester's last surviving child mm-hmm. would be able to live out her years there. Okay. She had had a stroke that left her partially paralyzed mm-hmm. sometime around 1967. And that stroke left her in the need of like around the clock care. Okay. So she lived in the mansion and there were nurses who came and took shifts gotcha. staying with her. So she was never alone. In 1975, so about four years after she was divorced, she met a man. I'm sorry, Marjorie's who I'm talking about. Right. After Marjorie was divorced, she met a man named Roger Caldwell, and they were married two months after they met. And she still has seven kids. Yep. Okay. Roger was an alcoholic. Of course he was. He turned violent when he drank. Of course he And he's did. an A-plus pick, right, obviously. A, just like she is. Great, great man with great ambitions. She continued to spend and write bad checks and build up debt. Oh, my God. This time, though, Elizabeth refused to help. Marjorie and Roger repeatedly asked her for money saying they wanted to purchase a horse ranch in Colorado, <laughs> but they were told no, even when they went around Elizabeth and asked the trustees of the Congdon estate to lend them the money, they were told no. And at that point, Marjorie had sent Roger because she was like, I know they'll say no to me, but they might say yes yeah. to you. And it's like, well, and also they know he's your husband. Elizabeth was probably like, I'm sorry. I bought you a horse when you were 13 and you didn't want it. So what you makes you want a horse ranch now? That's a really good point. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all mm-hmm. over again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, uh-huh. T-Y-M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top of the line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Kara and I received a couple of the products. Oh my we gosh. got a so exciting and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so right. handy. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay, so I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly wavy hair so it was a huge game changer for me it dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny which i noticed immediately mm-hmm. i didn't even need to straighten it afterwards and usually i do because usually i have all those wild like curls left over yeah. the wind power on this thing is intense it's wild like i turned it up i was like let's play with these buttons okay so it has three magnetic styling attachments they're all amazing. You know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's right. going to be so tangled. Not with this one. Nice. And it's magnetic. So it's great. So right now, you guys, our listeners can get 30% off their first order at timobeauty.com. T-Y-M-O beauty.com. 
using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Summer is the season of hot temperatures, outdoor adventures, and refreshing water activities. Summer is also the season of rough on your feet causing dry, cracked heels and toes. Introducing Babyfoot, the original exfoliation foot peel that contains 16 natural extracts formulated to remove dead skin cells in three easy steps. Apply the booties, relax for an hour, then wash your feet. In 14 days, you've got baby smooth skin and your feet have never been softer. Letting dead skin cells build up over time is hazardous to your foot health. Our professional-grade DIY products, like our original exfoliation foot peel, our men's foot peel, or our moisturizing mask, are some of the best foot care products on the market created with your foot health in mind. Pamper yourself with a spa day from the comfort and convenience of your own home with Babyfoot. If you want a chemical-free, easy-to-use exfoliating process from the company that created the original foot peel, it's time to treat yourself to Babyfoot. Go to babyfoot.com and use the code SUMMERFEET24 and get 20% off your first order with Babyfoot. That's babyfoot.com and use the code SUMMERFEET24. So at this point, Marjorie and Roger... They're in major financial trouble. Yeah. And no one was coming to bail them out. Uh-oh. But Marjorie just had to make it long enough to get her inheritance. She stood to gain $8.2 million when oh, her mother died. My gosh. Then, on June 27th, 1977, Elizabeth's day nurse arrived at Glensheen. At that time, Elizabeth was 83 years old. It was time for her day nurse to take over for the night nurse. Okay. Velma. Paitia. Mm-hmm. Velma? So, quick note. Velma wasn't actually the nurse that was supposed to work that night. She'd been called in because the regularly scheduled nurse couldn't make it. That reminds me of the Patreon episode we did about the axe murders where, oh, yeah. you know, it was the maid, like, yeah. she was new. Yeah. And, like, this lady, Velma, wasn't even supposed to be she there. She wasn't even supposed to be there. It's just an awful twist yeah. of luck. Aww. So the day, the day nurse arrives and she starts heading up the stairs and she stops. There's a bench on the landing underneath a stained glass window, and Velma's legs are hanging off the bench. Oh, no. As the day nurse got closer, she saw that Velma's body was covered in blood oh, no. and cold to the touch. Oh. An iron candlestick was on the floor. The nurse ran to Elizabeth's room. And I think that's admirable. Yes. Like, she didn't know what had happened or when. She didn't know if there was, if the still was still somebody in that there, building. Yeah. But her priority was her patient. Oh. My mom's a nurse, so I love nurses. When she reached Elizabeth's bedroom, she found Elizabeth lying in her bed, a satin pillow covering her face. Oh, no. She'd been smothered to death. As soon as Jennifer, Elizabeth's second adopted daughter, found out, her first response was, Marjorie did it. Oh, no. So here's a quick overview that I like to call, they were really bad at this. (laughs) It's a working title. Other options are murders are done. It took police less than two weeks to arrest Roger Codwell. Oh, my gosh. A Duluth cab driver had identified Roger, saying that he had taken him to Glensheen the night of the murders. What? Dude. You took a cab. A rare coin that had disappeared from Elizabeth's room showed up in Roger Caldwell's home. Oh, my gosh. Of course it did. In Golden, Colorado. Of course it did. Here's what's better. It had been mailed there the day after the murders in an envelope that Roger had addressed to himself. Hmm? I mean, what an idiot. What? I'm not saying anybody should murder. Right. But I'm just saying I would be better at it than he is. Um, what on earth? 
He went on trial for first-degree murder, and his trial lasted three months, which at the time was the longest criminal trial in Minnesota history. Yeah, that seems like a while. Yeah. The jury took less than 24 hours to decide on their verdict. Guilty. Well, of and he was sentenced to two life terms. He maintained that he didn't commit the murders, but he never pointed a finger at anybody else. Huh. Marjorie did not attend a single day of his trial. Oh, she didn't want to support her significant no. other? No, no, no. So don't think they that they were the supposed to a horse ranch it. together. <laughs> they had all these plans. Two days after Roger was sent to prison, police arrested Marjorie for conspiracy to commit murder. It was fairly obvious that Roger hadn't acted alone. And there was also evidence. There was a dark hair that had been found near Velma's body. And okay. Roger had gray hair. But I don't really know. Yeah, okay. like what if it was the nurses? It's, right. There's a lot of people in yeah. and out of that house, but still. Another thing that I wonder about is the cab driver had only said he'd taken Roger to the house. So, right. like, yeah, how'd she get there? Right. Um, we know Marjorie was broke, but she came from one of the wealthiest wealthiest families in America, and that notoriety as an heiress meant that she was able to hire a top-notch of course defense attorney. And you're not going to believe his name. Oh no, Ronald Meshbesher. <laughs> Say that again one more time. Ronald. Mm-hmm. Meshbesher. Perfect. I love it. That name is like, even if you say it correctly, it sounds like it's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, he was a top defense attorney for a reason. He was able to get her an acquittal, even though it came out during the trial that Marjorie had previously tried to poison her mother. His trial or her trial. I mean, I get that that's not what that particular thing is not what she's on trial for, but you think it would show that she's capable of it. Exactly. Her trial was three and a half months, by the way beating Roger's record of his trial. It's always in hindsight, it's easy to be like, how did they not find her guilty? Right. There are a few things. There were two pieces of evidence from Roger's trial that had to be thrown out. They came up during Marjorie's trial. They weren't able to be used. And the whole point is it's conspiracy to commit murder. So they have to bring up Roger again because they have to be like, we know he did it. Yeah. In order to prove that she made him yeah or helped him do Mm -hmm. it right so if you start putting roger's guilt in question then that would put her guilt in question right so an expert disputed evidence that roger's fingerprint was found at the scene and another witness said that she had seen roger somewhere else at the time of the murder oh my gosh so not only did this contribute to marjorie's acquittal it also led to roger's conviction being overturned oh my gosh which is shocking to me because all i hear now is how hard it is once you're convicted to get, yeah, to even if they have all the evidence in the world that you're innocent, it is really hard. Yeah, to get think a of, trial. Like, three, like how yeah. hard it was to get them out once they realized what exactly. all had been done. Yeah. Rather than risking him, they were going to do a second trial, but then they were afraid that he would be acquitted. So they offered Roger a plea deal. They were like, plead guilty to second degree murder and we'll sentence you to time served, which at oh, that point was five years. It's gosh. a hell of a deal. So he got two life sentences, but then they're like, oh, we'll give you five years. We'll give you five years for second degree murder. Yeah. And of course he took that deal. Yeah. I mean, who and he walked free. He died by suicide five years later in Ooh. 1988. And he left a note that said, I didn't kill those women. And I feel sorry for it. And I know, right. I mean, I just think he was already an alcoholic, which makes me think right. who knows what had happened to yeah. get him to that point in life. Yeah, yeah. And then he ends up attached to Marjorie. 
And then Ugh. it's just awful. Of course, I mean, he murdered people. I don't feel super yes. sorry for yeah, it, yeah, but yeah. I feel a little sorry for him. As for Marjorie, the evidence issue played a role in the outcome of the trial. But during the trial, oh my gosh, Marjorie was also playing a role. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a writer. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. I'm so good. Oh my gosh. Played a role, playing a role. I'm telling you. Yeah. Do you get that? I get it. Let's all take it's a so moment. Good. It's so good. Let's absorb it. It's <laughs> so good. And close your eyes for a second, guys. Just think about those words. <laughs> <laughs> so during the trial, Marjorie sat at the defense table and knitted. Huh? She also brought in a birthday cake one day for one of the lawyers. And then I put, <laughs> let's pause here for a 10 second eye roll. <laughs> I'm what she's tried to poison people before. I wouldn't need it. No, but don't worry. She did end up serving some time, just not for murder. <laughs> okay, let's get to that. So Marjorie had a thing. Cake was bad. <laughs> she had a thing for fire. Of course she did. She was connected to several random mysterious fires. Okay, what is going on with her? Listen, you don't even know. Okay, just oh wait. God. Oh my god. So when she was married to Dick Leroy, <laughs> Dick. Their garage had burned to the ground. Eight years later. Like a detached garage? Yep. Okay. Burned to the ground. Eight years later, she was remodeling a house that she bought. And th- she was having a contractor do the work to mm-hmm. remodel it. Right. And she was late in paying the contractor. So he put a lien on the house. That house burned to the ground. Huh. Two years after that, she was in the vicinity of um, the first national bank building in Inglewood, Colorado. Before it caught fire. Oh. All this is just circumstantial. They could never pin anything on her. So oh they just never charged her with anything. Of course yeah. they couldn't. Then, in 1982, she married for a third time to a man named Walter Hagen. Hmm. Side note. Apparently, she never divorced Roger. Oh. And at this time, Roger was still alive. Right. So when she married Walter, she was charged with bigamy in North Dakota. Of course As she far was. as I can tell, nothing came of those charges. Oh, it's just one more thing, you know, seriously. So Marjorie and Walter bought a house that they couldn't pay for. Well, yeah, she obviously didn't get her inheritance when her mother died. Um, But what money she did get, I think there was some money in a trust that she was able to get. Of course there was. All of that had gone to pay for her fancy, very good, too good, really, lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. So they bought this house they couldn't pay for before the contract was due for her to pay for the house. She sold it. Oh. She told the new owners. She was like, I want to do a little work on the house before you take it. Yeah. You know? And they were like, okay. Right before the new owners were supposed to move in, that house caught on fire. How convenient. This time, she was arrested and convicted of second degree arson and insurance fraud. Hmm. She was sentenced to two and a half years in prison and fined $10,000. She served 20 months and was let out for good behavior. What? They loved her in prison. They loved of course her. they did. She was described as charming and talkative. Oh, she got okay. along with the inmates. She sent the warden flowers every week. <laughs> and when they left, they told her they'd miss her. What? Oh, we're going to miss you so much. Come back and see us, okay? We love you. Bye-bye. Thanks for the flowers. You sweet lady. She's a great lady. She's Don't such a good just, girl. It's gonna be just gonna be not gonna be the same without her. Okay. Once she was out of prison, she and Walter got an airstream trailer and traveled the country. Did they? Finally setting settling in Aho, I think 
I sound like like a hole. <laughs> it's AJO. A ho or Ajo, not sure. Arizona. Two years later, whatever the name of that town is, had a rash of forty-three fires, and at least fifteen of those were arson. Which is just interesting. So convenient um, that she's in the same area. You know, allegedly. Allegedly. Could've, opinion, opinion. Could have happened. In March nineteen ninety one, Marjorie was caught in the act of setting fire to her neighbor's house while he was inside it. <laughs> Why? Caught in the act. Why like, what would you do? Like, to set him on fire? <laughs> just all of a sudden be like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, don't find me. Don't mind me. I'm just in, my, matches, in my, my garden over here. Don't make it weird. This is normal house, yeah. neighbor behavior. I'm just dropping off a pie. <laughs> <laughs> this time, <laughs> she was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Okay. Okay, listen to this. Before she went to prison, she was allowed to spend one last night with her husband, which I, I'm like, is that a thing? Do they do that? I don't know. Anyway, I don't, uh, what? The police officers who dropped her off for her last night with Walter said she was just so charming. Of course she was. I'm just intrigued by how she was described as a child versus yeah. how she's described as an adult. Exactly. The next morning, Walter was dead. Apparently, huh. he had died by suicide. Not in a fire. Marjorie, nope. Marjorie said that they'd had a suicide pact, but she had chickened out. Oh, my God. A garden hose was found running from the gas stove in the kitchen to the bedroom. Are you serious? Police did not like her story, and uh, they charged her with second-degree murder, but a grand jury wouldn't return an indictment. What? It was later determined that Walter had dried died of a drug overdose, but we don't know if he took those pills, like, on purpose. Right, yeah. Or not. Here's a little side note I read. Apparently, Walter Hagen's children suspect that Marjorie might have been involved in the sudden death of Walter's first wife, their mother. Oh. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, yeah. So Marjorie goes to prison and serves 10 years. This is still for that arson charge, which she got caught okay. with the neighbor yeah, inside. Because yeah, yeah. she wasn't charged with anything right. for Walter's death. Right. So she goes to prison. She serves 10 years. I think she was sentenced to 15. Yeah. Yes. She serves yeah. 15, serves 10. She's released at 71 years old. This story is still not over. There's still more, you guys. Oh, my God. I'm just sitting here remembering how much I defended her at the beginning, and I just want to go back again and say, I'm so sorry. I really don't like her. I really I don't. don't. Like her at all. She's okay. not a stand-up sis. In March of 2007, three years after she got out of prison, she was caught 70s. forging the signature of a recently deceased friend on an inheritance check. That friend was named Roger Samus. Nope. And he had been under her care before his death. What? He loved her. He called her his angel. He thought the world of her. Oh, okay. Angel before of she death. was arrested, <laughs> before she was arrested, <laughs> she had arranged to have his body cremated, so there was no autopsy. Of so course. we don't know if she killed him, and then was trying to steal his uh, money, or if he died of natural causes. My God! And she was trying to steal his money. She pled guilty to forgery and was given probation. What? The Glensheen Mansion opened to the public for tours in 1979, two years after Elizabeth's death, and it's still open today. Thomas Congdon, the last surviving grandson of Chester and Clara Congdon, said, People's feelings and concerns have improved, but not our attitude toward Marjorie. There's been no forgiveness that I know of. <laughs> the Congdon family has reunions every few years um, in different places around the country. And in 2010, they had a reunion at Glensheen. 
So when they had the reunion, all the ropes and the stuff that like sectioned off the room for yeah. the tours, those were all taken down and the family was able to just use it just like Aww. it was back a private home again. I oh, know. Cute. I really love that. And the murders are not talked about at the right. reunions. As far as Thomas Congdon knows, no family member has had any contact with Marjorie in decades. But one of her daughters attended the last reunion <gasps> and some were happy to see her. Some. Yeah. I don't see how any of them. Well, I mean, she didn't do it, but mom did. And she's just guilty by association. But yeah. also that's her child. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's not their fault that she's their mother. Yeah. But man. What if they're the same person? And if they, if they look like her, it may just be yeah. a hard, painful yeah. memory. The estate is currently listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Uh-huh. Like I said earlier, if you tour the home, they don't discuss the murders. There used to be a really strict policy about it, uh-huh. but that's lightened up a little now. Like, if you ask, they will address it and they'll be like, we'll discuss it at the end of the tour. Oh, okay. That way, you know, because it's like families and kids are there. And if, right. if you're not interested or if you don't want your kids to hear right. it, you can move on. Right. And then you can, if you are interested, just stick you can stay and talk it. about it. Today. Marjorie lives in Tucson and uses the last name of her third husband, Hagen. She's 89 years old and she's described as friendly and engaging. Is she? And from what I could tell, because I was like, is this an old article? I I Googled her and Googled her and it seems that she is currently still with us. Lively and engaging. I mean, I just wonder, has she not gotten into any trouble? Yeah, what in the last few years, or has she just not gotten caught? Marjorie definitely started the fire. Allegedly started the fire. In my opinion, it's just my opinion. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. (laughs) That's our new single. It'll be out soon. It's great, guys. You're so welcome. So that's it. That's the story of the Glenn Sheen murders. She's wild. Thank you so much for yeah. posting that story. I'd never heard of it, and I just couldn't believe it kept going. I'm like, okay, well, there's the murder in the trial. No. Oh, well, there's this oh, whole there's arson more? thing. Oh, oh my God. More? And then there's another, what, the husband? And then the, and the, the deceased friend with oh, the forgery. Oh, my God. I just can't. And then the fact that she's still alive. I'm just like, she's like thriving. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It. Well, gosh, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Quite a story. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you so much. So much. As always, if you would like to send us any messages, any story ideas, mm-hmm. or just to tell us anything at all, yeah. you can message us at Witches Magic Murder and Mystery. <laughs> Wait, Witches Magic Murder Mystery at gmail.com. That's it. Yep. And you can also find us on Instagram at Witches Magic Murder Mystery. And if you go to the link there, you'll find yeah. links to podcast store the patreon facebook group youtube channel really anything on the youtube channel you'll see the completely unedited uh, videos today was wild guys They're kind of a mess today is going to be a real mess <laughs> you all have no idea what we've been through over here no clue yeah so we love you yeah so much goodbye goodbye <laughs>